Welcome to the 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast. This ain't your grandma's podcast. Welcome back. It's Aaron, your host on the 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast. Two weeks in a row. We're really getting back on the horse. Now, don't go expecting me to put back-to-back episodes out every single week, but because I went for so long without recording an episode and releasing it to y'all over the summer, I wanted to give y'all some new content. This is a podcast episode that I intended to record with my brother-in-law, Mike Hernandez, a year ago, and for one reason or another, we just didn't get to it. So here we are. We're talking specifically about uh, balancing nursing with uh, godly disciplines, including how to how to fend off temptation in that particular environment. But don't worry, um, this is something that uh, really pertains to all sorts of work environments. It's not specific to nursing, but we will be talking in the context of nursing. So a lot of things to do with the medical field, um, that's going to be part of our conversation. We're also going to talk about things about how uh, Mike is in nursing leadership, and so he's going to share some of the things that he's learned from nursing leadership and explain to us how that transitions well into church leadership. So maybe you are involved in church leadership or you want to grow in that area. Um, Stay on for that. Finally, we'll we'll discuss a a couple of things. He's going to tell us a funny story that he's experienced in the nursing field. I'm going to share one that I experienced. Uh, That's at the end. And then just before the funny story, we're going to discuss what and how you should respond when a manager, um, you know, you're, you're new to a, say, an ER, you're new to any really workplace that's asking you or expecting you to work on Sunday morning. Um, how do you respond to that manager? Uh, should you just give in? Now, some of you listening to this podcast, you may not believe that um, as a Christian, you are obligated to assemble every first day of the week and to observe the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. That's actually quite rare in many churches today. Uh, this is coming from the background of uh, Church of Christ members here. We we worship every single first day of the week. The Bible says in Hebrews 10.25, not to forsake the assembling, the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some. And if, if you would like to know more about why we believe that specifically, I do have a full-length lesson on YouTube about this, Forsaking the Assembly on the Chapel Grove Church of Christ. You're welcome to look that up by Aaron Batty and go watch that to get the full answer of that passage within the context of Hebrews and why I believe that. Me and Mike share a common belief on this, so uh, don't be distracted too much by that. That's about a 10-minute part of our conversation, but uh, for those of you that are very concerned about this issue, and maybe you're you're uh, applying to jobs now. You just got your nursing license. This is a question. This is an issue that's going to arise for you. How should you respond? How should you re- uh, prepare? And what can you say to a manager? We'll get to all of that and more in this episode. I do want to say one quick apology. Uh, Mike uh, did not have a great mic, and so. At parts of his responses, I had to even cut out where it was so glitchy there toward the last 15 or 20 minutes. Um, so I apologize for the poorer audio quality of this episode. Don't let that keep you from listening and really absorbing what he has to say. He has a lot of wisdom, a lot of knowledge, and a lot of experience to speak from uh, from 10 plus years in the medical field. So uh, without further ado, we're going to have a quick commercial from our sponsors, and then we'll get right into the episode. You ever go to church feeling good, but leave constipated and mad? 
It's like the preacher tailored his sermon particularly for you. If there was a sin in my life, he nailed it. Well, have we got the spiritual plunger for your soul? It's called Miraculax. This is not to be confused with the common brand Miralax. No, Miraculax defies the laws of nature and will have you leaving church feeling like you're flying on the wings of angels as opposed to fuming and constipated over the truth-telling, honest, repentance-preaching preacher. Not today, preacher. Just 13 tablespoons of Miraculax with your Sunday morning cup of joe, and you'll be able to enjoy your church experience without repentance or that feeling of guilt and anger that comes with being convicted by the Word of God. Stay regular. Stay comfortable with your sins. Drink Miraculax. This is a fake ad. Avoiding repentance and godly sorrow that leads to it is not recommended by this podcast. Please do not miss the satirical nature of this commercial. If you need to heed the preacher from Sunday morning, we highly recommend confession, prayer, and humility. Hey, Mike, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Aaron, it's good to be back on 5-Minute Bible Study. It's been a while. Yeah, I think the last time that you were on, we were talking about social justice. I think that's right, right in the the thick of it, Uh, middle of the pandemic, maybe a little bit after that. So I need to apologize to you for not having you on uh, more recent than that, I guess, but uh, if, if y'all are, are interested in that, Mike and I did do some videos. They're actually on the YouTube channel about critical race theory, social justice. Um, but today we're going to be talking about, as was already mentioned in the intro of the episode, nursing. And the Christians, uh, how, do you, how would you put it? How to be a Christian in the nursing field? <laughs> sure, I guess so. And I would assume a lot of this stuff is going to be translatable to any sort of secular work or yeah, for sure. With I guess with stories and and references that will obviously be a, about the nursing profession. So if you are a nurse, um, this will definitely be something that you can probably make more sense of the jargon and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. Well, why don't you tell people how long you've been a nurse? Uh, kind of what your background is in the field and catch people up to speed. Sure. I started working in a hospital setting in two thousand and eight as a patient care tech and a trans transporter in a acute care hospital in Georgia. And it was a uh, career change for me. I had, uh, was engaged to be married. Actually, I was married at the time to your older sister, Jody, and uh, went through nursing school, graduated in 2010. And so I've been doing for about 13 years now, been in nursing leadership for uh, as a director for the last 10 years, and uh, really enjoyed it. I've, I've been enjoying it. It's it's challenging, uh, but it's been very rewarding. Very cool. So how long at the bedside as a nurse? Uh, three years at the bedside. Okay. Three years prior to that, as I said, I worked as a patient care tech. Uh, going through college, through nursing school, and a uh, patient transporter, like in radiology. Those of you that work in a hospital understand what a transporter does. So, boots on the ground in every department. Yeah. And you were you were doing ICU. Was it like a specialty? It was a medical ICU. So all of your complex medical patients. Uh, and also had some surgical patients in there. It was a surgical slash medical ICU. Didn't do any open heart surgeries or anything like that, but it was definitely critical care med surge ICU. 
I'm sure that most people who listen to the podcast know that I've been an ER nurse for about nine years. If you don't, now, now you do. Um, and I, I believe that you did manage for a short period of time an ER there at Mansfield, Texas, didn't you? I did. I was the uh, I was asked to step in as interim director. Uh, we had lost the director. Really enjoyed that space as well. Um, have a big heart for the ER folks and the staff that do a lot of great work down there. Actually loved it so much that when uh, the new director was hired on, uh, I thought about taking a demotion and staying in there and doing something different and staying in the ED as the manager. Uh, but it didn't work out that way. But Now, you recently took on a new job, and while we're not here to talk about resumes and stuff, maybe that'll come out in some of the discussion as we get to talking about nursing leadership and how that translates into maybe church leadership. Um, so we'll have more opportunities to talk about kind of what you do now, and, and may, perhaps that'll come up. Um, had sure. lots of things to talk about. If you guys didn't or haven't known about the article that I wrote, I don't know, maybe a year ago, it was like uh, 10 years of being a Christian and a nurse. Um, several people have read that on the website, and from that it's generated some good discussion. So I hope that this podcast supplements that well, and you're also able to learn from a different perspective um, from Mike here. So, Mike, um, I kind of went over some talking points with you before this, <clears throat> but um, one of the questions I wanted to hear and get on the mic was, what do you believe are some of the biggest temptations in the nursing world for a Christian? That's a lot of what I talked about in that article. I want to hear it from you. Yeah, so in nursing specifically, what I've found is, you know, you're taking care of people in their most vulnerable state. They're very sick. These patients don't want to be there. Right? They're paying a very large bill, probably the largest bill they've ever had to pay in their lives. Um. They're taking off work. They may be debilitated. Their family's taking off work. So high stress, very vulnerable people. And I think the temptation for a lot of nurses as they work with these patients and they're trying to compartmentalize their lives and leave that at the door when they punch in and not carry what they're dealing with uh, into the bedside is the temptation to abuse your authority um, and the access that you have to these patients. Um, being in nursing leadership, I've seen some pretty sad cases involving abuse, even sexual allegations like that. Um, and so that's one, one temptation. Another is to abuse your authority with your access to controlled substances. Hmm. Um, you know, in 2010, when I was going through some classes in 2010, they said that one in seven nurses will divert controlled substances. And I was pretty astonished about that. Uh, but having been in nursing leadership and all of the safety measures that we have in place to track discrepancies from medication pool, things like that, investigations that we have to do does play out that way. So I've seen some pretty sad cases um, one in particular that I could think of was a ICU nurse who had her third child and had revealed that she had some postpartum uh, depression issues when she came back to work uh, during her 
labor, she had broken a bone, a pelvis or something, and they put her on some pain meds and she got addicted to them, but we didn't know that. And while she was at the bedside taking care of patients, she was pretty solemn, but we already knew that she was dealing with things. And she was using our pumping room to uh, pump for her child. And we found her in there with a needle in her arm and she had been down for quite some time. So pretty sad case. She never gained full um, cognitive function after that. It was a very sad situation. So the the authority to abuse your access to controlled substances is definitely a temptation. If somebody given to that sort of a temptation, it would be difficult for them to be a nurse, I would imagine. And then I guess um, the third thing would be is to, as a from a Christian perspective, uh, getting swallowed up in a career at the expense of your other competing priorities. Because in a hospital setting, it's twenty four seven taking care of these patients, mm-hmm. and you can dedicate dedicate your life's work to doing good things, moral things for people uh, at the expense of the church, all those competing priorities that we have to take care of your family. And so learning to say no when wisdom calls for it and when it's appropriate is definitely a skill that we have to, you have to acquire. And I think that's one of those temptations that's going to be translatable to other fields as well. I'm glad you brought that up. I don't think I even mentioned that in my article. Um, I knew a, a nurse my second or third year in, no, it had been my first year in um, cardiac tele that I was working. She worked like 28 shifts in a row and she was married and somebody, you know, was me and another nurse were talking about it years later and they said, that's a pretty good indication of how her marriage was going. And I didn't think about it at the time, but I was like, yeah, that's probably true. You don't work 28 shifts away from your spouse if your marriage is going really solid. And to, to what you said earlier, it is so easy to get pulled into the incentives that they offer when they're offering like $30 an hour on top of your base pay because staffing issues are always a problem and they're always offering incentives, it seems like. And where I work now yeah. as a part-time nurse, PRN, I just uh, I told my nurse manager up front that I'm not taking any extra shifts and they texted me all the time for about two years. Yeah, that's and after, <laughs> Yeah. After two years of me not taking extra shifts, they finally stopped texting me. <laughs> but it, you got to stay solid. And if you pick up one extra shift, that's it. They're going to text you for two more years. Yeah, that's a difficult thing, especially for a new nurse going to the bedside. You're, you're, you're improving somebody's life or you're maybe even saving a life and you're there for 12, 14 hours. <laughs> and uh, as a brand-new baby nurse, sometimes... I've seen this, it's hard to just punch out and go home, you know, because you get so involved with that patient and your compassion takes over. Yeah. So all that's kind of negative, and I guess this would kind of discourage somebody from being a nurse. What would you say are some of the positives? Like, for example, on this very point, one of the biggest positives I saw, and you can go a completely different direction with your answer, but was three days a week. Like, if you're actually can say no to a manager, no, I'm not working extra, and you really do just work three days a week, and you can make a great living that way, um, $60,000 a year, pretty easy. Um, 
then you have four days. Well, really, th- depends on if you're working night shift or not. You might have three or four days a week off, and you can't do that in most any other profession. Yes, absolutely. As a Christian, you know, I think the first thing that I think of, you get your RN license. Uh, when you get your license, you pass your NCLEX. A lot of states are now compact states, so your your license is transferable from state to state. It didn't used to be that way. Um, and more and more states are joining into that compact agreement. So if for some reason you have to um, get mobile in the United States, as often happens because of family spread out across the country and uh, seasons of life and things change, your RN license is likely transferable in somewhere else, you know. And uh, so there's job security in that. And to your point, the the need to take care of patients uh, is so great and the shortage is so great for nurses that you can make a good living. You can work those even part-time, doing two days a week, 12-hour shifts with full benefits. Um, that is something that is very very doable so lots of positive things uh yeah like you said we talked about the negative but the positive is the job security is is uh is there for sure and it's a i think this is the 21st year that nursing the nursing profession has been deemed the most honorable and respected profession in the united states which it's a noble profession, and I think it's it's just because you're you're taking care of the most vulnerable, uh, the things that the effects that Satan has wrought in this society, bringing in sickness and disease and death and dying, uh, suffering. Um, it's definitely a noble profession in that you actually feel good about going home and 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 providing that help to somebody every day. Yeah. And you can answer this, Aaron. Uh, I've never worked a shift where I felt like, well, maybe this is nursing leadership. The days go by so quickly for me <laughs> because you're you're busy. You're taking care of patients, and it's a tall task, and there's a lot of things that need to be done to, to check those boxes. And before you know it, it's time to go home, you know. Yeah, it just depends. I don't know if you I mean, hear I've, that experience. I've had days that just seem like they went on forever. And then, like, for example, yeah. I had to work Labor Day on four hours of sleep this past week, and that was a long shift. Um, and I used to work some crazy hours when I was in college and working full-time nights nights right out of school and stuff. Uh, those were some, some long shifts. But you know, when you actually think about it, you're working 12 hours and it is not infrequent to work 12 hours and feel like you worked eight just as in terms of how it seemed like it went by. Your body feels it. Your body feels like it worked 12 hours, but your mind thinks you just worked eight. <laughs> but yeah, well, um, yeah, those are some good responses. I think that, uh, I know there was this one nursing student that actually just touched base with me, said they read that article. And so we got some listeners that'll be hearing this uh, going into the profession. I think that's all good to hear, especially from uh, um, coming from Christians and what to expect. You know, I'll mention one other thing, Aaron. If, if I, if I yeah, can. go ahead. 
you know, hospitals, um, they were mostly started by denominational Christian folks. You know, the word hospital has, you know, has the word hospitality. And so a lot of the values that are brought over into the hospital setting in the corporate world and secular world to run a hospital are borrowed the team building aspects, the setting of expectation, change management, all those kinds of things are borrowed from the Bible. And that's why they work. And uh, so there's a lot of things I think that are translatable uh, that you can take out of working day in and day out in a hospital setting, especially as you get into the leadership, nursing leadership role. And I always want to plug nursing leadership people are afraid of it they don't want to get involved in it they think that you know and i think it's a lot of a lot of it has to do with they don't necessarily know what nursing leadership is all about what a nurse leader does behind the scenes and advocating for the bedside nurse on a day in and day out basis um that's what good nursing leaders do so but it's definitely a rewarding People don't want to get involved in other people's problems and have to deal with things. But my answer to that is if you've got a family, if you're in a relationship, if you go to church, you're dealing with people all day. Uh, yeah. You can't escape it. So, Well, that's really a good segue into one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, and that's your specialty, which is uh, nursing leadership. So in, in that area... Let me just ask you this real quick. <clears throat> as a manager and as a director, how difficult is it uh, with hearing all the negative feedback from the nurses that you, you know you work over? I'm sure you have to get a lot of negative, just gossip or just uh, critiques here and there because everywhere I've worked, it's always been the thing to complain about the nurse manager. And I've only had one. I had a I had a really good nurse supervisor, a uh, clinical lead one one time. And I've never had another one like her. I don't remember anybody not liking her. That was rare. And I had one manager that I don't remember anybody not liking this one manager. But she was also at the same time she wasn't about really like getting in your grill or business. Maybe that's what made her so likable. But I maybe have had one clinical lead, one manager. Besides that, it's always been just bashing them every chance I, you know, heard somebody talking. Yeah, so I guess I'll put it this way. Let me let me just put a bunch of characteristics out there that describe a good leader, and you tell me, because you've experienced a couple, it sounds like, that were good, and you've seen a lot of bad examples, and uh, these will probably resonate with you as to why they're 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 good leaders these kind of qualities and by the way before i start listing them off the the number one reason why a nurse will leave a department is because of the leader that's that's a proven data-rich point uh the number one reason for somebody leaving and looking for another job is because so so somebody who is visible so somebody is not going to be locked up in an office that has some boots on the ground is going to go out there uh, and be visible 
is important. They, they, they talk with their employees. They talk with the staff. And a leader's role is, a nurse leader's role is to remove barriers to support the bedside nurse. And in order to do that, you've got to build trust and you've got to listen. So you've got to have time that you just listen to your staff and you touch every one of them and you, and you ask them, how are things going? You got everything that you need to do your job? Is there anything that's keeping you up at night? What do you dread about coming into work? Those kinds of questions. And then <clears throat> be invested in everybody's personal growth and development. So what's the what's your what's your growth goal? What's your five year plan? What do you want to do in the next year or two? Do you want to get your advanced certification? Do you want to be trauma certified if you're in the ER nurse? Do you want to get your um, specialty certification in the ED and and actually having that listed down for staff, working with them and meeting with them regularly um, to see how things are going, try to support them and give them resources that might help them reach those goals is going to be important. Um, you know, jumping in when you need to, you know, you don't want to create because in nursing leadership, you do have other responsibilities that you have got to take care of. And if you're in staffing constantly, that's not a good sign that you're doing very well. Yeah. Because your turnover, your turnover is going to be high. So those kinds of qualities, uh, recognition, you got to recognize, you got to praise people for the good behaviors that that are happening on the unit and the good things that they're doing to take care of patients. And then you have to coach up people that are lower performing and don't have those behaviors that are living up to that are frustrating the team. Maybe they come in late and you're having to stay an extra hour because you're waiting for somebody to come in uh, or they're calling in constantly. So somebody who sets boundaries, holds people accountable to the same standards and coaches people up, or coaches them out and getting rid of those low performers that just are super disruptive. Um, so those are kind of behaviors that are out there. And if there's, there's other things that are out there, you mentioned gossip on the unit. If there is something that is disrupting the unit, you got to take care of that and get out there and dispel rumors. You know, if, if they're talking about you, you've got to dispel those rumors. If, True. I so think does that, that kind of resonate with the people that those two that you mentioned that were uh, good and helpful? Yeah, definitely the listening. Um, I think there's so much stress built up in the staff nurse that having somebody from that leadership position to listen, um, just have express compassion and empathy with what you're dealing with. They may not really change a policy or anything but yeah having that ear and that goes with the other thing you mentioned being visible and not being you know off in this canister locked away where people don't know what you do or that you even care about them i think those are all pretty applicable and that translates to, as you were talking i'm thinking about church leadership uh, most everything you said those two things especially translate to church leadership um very much so um what are your well, thoughts about you, that? You have, yeah, if you, those things that I just mentioned are kind of the nuts and bolts of 
that's just the grassroots, right? That's the foundation of building a good team. Then you can start actually living your mission right after that. You mentioned policies and workflows and processes that are broken that you hate, that you're spending time on and wasting your energy, maybe walking a little bit extra and not having the equipment that you need. It's, things are busted and never get fixed. Uh, once you set boundaries, hold people accountable, you're listening, you're removing barriers, then you can start engaging people to, okay, what can we improve upon? What are the things that need to be fixed? And let's talk about, you know, taking care of a stroke patient or uh, let's talk about that workflow and how we can, re how can we can move the needle to reduce the door to needle time, that kind of thing. Uh, that's when you start having fun and really start impacting patient care and it instills confidence in your staff and uh, start having fun. So you can see that all that is translatable into church life in a congregational setting because um, our mission in the, in, in the hospital is to improve and save lives above all else. And we want to be a place of healthcare excellence where we're striving for excellence and doing the best practices and the things that are the best. Uh, and that takes a lot of work and grinding. Well, in the congregational setting, what's our mission? To honor God, our creator, hallow people before our God, and to preach Jesus Christ into the world so that others might be saved. And Jesus said you do that by the love that you show one another as a group. And God has ordained that we group ourselves within a local congregation under the um, leadership who, of elders and deacons who serve as the elders who are to serve not as followers but as examples, right? And... Uh, that's one thing I love about nursing leadership is the people on the team start being leaders themselves within their own and they're modeling the same behaviors and they're stepping up to do extra things. And so all of that is necessary within the congregational setting. We have our standards that Jesus has set for us uh, to live holy lives, to be sanctified in this world. And to bear one another's burdens and to provoke one another to love and the good work Hebrews 10 teaches us. And so when we do that um, and we coach people up, you know, we bear with the weak and those that are spiritually sick, we don't ignore it. Uh, and we address it. We go and we talk about that and challenge each other. Uh, that's helpful. You know, I could, I could say a lot about this, Aaron, but in the hospital setting, when you get to a place where you can, you're listening to folks and you're, you're wanting them to live by those standards of behavior, but personal growth and development is so important in the hospital setting for each and every nurse because they have their own goals and need to be tapped into that, what their goals are. Because as a leader, with the knowledge that you have being in the industry, you can challenge them and give them stretch goals, right? A goal that's going to make them uncomfortable, but not not uncomfortable enough that they can't attain it. Like that, I think that's very it's translatable to the church. We've got to we're constantly growing and stretching and 
uncomfortable, and we need to be comfortable and challenging each other and uh, and living in that in that uncomfortable feeling so that we can grow sometimes, oftentimes. Yeah. Communication uh, is one of the biggest things, has branches in a lot of things that you just said can be summed up in communication, but that's one of the things I've noticed in the church leadership side that translates a lot <clears throat> from the nursing field. Absolutely. Um, and you can speak to that leadership side from a church perspective, too. I, I, you just recently were ordained a deacon at the uh, Grapevine Church of Christ. They're in um, Grapevine, Texas, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Yes, sir. I'm humbled and honored to be able to serve in that role. Um, yes, there's four of us that are deacons. We have three elders. And- That's always great to hear. In fact, um, I might need to just get a podcast going on on just talking about the deacons' work. Um, this has me thinking about that now, but, um, anyways, that's another talk for another time. Well, we're now about 32 minutes in on this, uh, podcast and I still wanted to get to a couple more things. Uh, I know a lot of nurses, uh, one of the, in the church, one of the things that I hear the most about on this particular context of nursing, um, are new nurses who are about to talk to their manager for the first time about working on Sunday. And they're, and I know because I've been there, it's very nerve-wracking. You're very worried, especially when you don't really have a relationship with this manager. So you really don't know if they respect um, other people's religious views or not. And most of their employees out here, at least in the, in the Bible Belt, are quote-unquote Christian to whatever degree. And most of them don't have a problem working on Sunday at all. So when you come in there asking... Uh, or saying I can't work on Sunday, they they know fifty other nurses that are, you know, Christians suppose, and they and they do work on Sunday. So what's this about? Uh, and you're not Seventh Day Adventist, and you're not Muslim, you're not a Jew, and so it's just like they're scratching their head. Now in this job that I have now, I think it helped that I was a, a preacher, and so I told them, you know, hey, I'm a preacher for one, um, and and they don't they don't try to schedule me at all on Sunday. Um, but I'm also PRN. But what would you tell, you know, you've been the manager and you've also been the nurse. So you're the perfect person to ask about this. What would you say to that new nurse that's never had this conversation for the first time with, uh, having been on both sides of the desk? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, this is an important question, not just for nursing, but for any, any profession. Um, so the advice that I would give to a Christian is you got to prepare yourself like, like Daniel, you know, Daniel prepared himself that he was not going to defile himself by the delegacy that the king was going to provide. And so you've got to prepare yourself that you're, this is a deal breaker for you if it gets to that point. Now, let me alleviate the fear. So that's number one. But to alleviate the anxiety, maybe a little bit, um, being on this side of it is I've interviewed, I can't even count how many people I've interviewed, hired for the last 10 years, uh, worked with to change status from full-time to part-time to PRN and vice versa, weekends, and what can we do to make it happen? Um, in nursing, the shortage is so great. That's one advantage that you do have as a candidate. 
Um, but the other thing is, you know, in healthcare, Christians are the most suited to do a good job in because of their core values. And so my advice would be go into your interview selling yourself and not boasting, you know, you know, sometimes Christians have a tough time just putting themselves out there because they, they want to remain humble and they don't want to be boasting. Uh, but I would say just look at it as you're telling, you're telling this employer potentially that you're competent, you're a competent person. These are the values that you live by. You know, you, you're going to take care of your patients. You're going to always do what's best for them. And that you're the type of person that they, they want there. You know, that you're going to do everything that you can to take care of patients. Uh, and to let them know that you worship on Sundays, your creator on Sundays. Uh, you believe this is a core conviction that you have. And, uh, that you'll work hard as they'll need you to, but on Sundays that's a deal breaker. That's with any field and any in any work. I think just going in there and saying that, being on this side of it, when I hear somebody saying that, <clears throat> you know, I have Christian values and those values are I'm gonna be honest, I'm gonna be hardworking, I'm going to be committed to my coworkers. I'm not going to be disruptive on the team. I'm not going to be a gossip. I believe in uh, my family. I believe in God. And uh, I want to do right and do and help people. Who's going to not want to work with that type of person? So prepare yourself and just make that known. And you'll be surprised at how many people are willing to work with you. Yeah. And if you actually live up to your your hype, which you should, then uh, that doesn't go unnoticed either by your charge nurses and your charge nurses are the, your first go-tos in those um, needing to ask off or call in or whatever. Yeah. Um, well, I think that was a good answer. And, and, you know, we had a conversation a while back. Um, I was talking to you about <clears throat> somebody asking me to write them a letter um, stating why we believed it was um, we could not work on Sunday. Uh, this person was a nurse and you told me, uh, I was, I was really amused what you told me whenever I was telling you this story, you said that that would be the biggest turnoff for you as a manager. Um, I can't, do you remember this conversation? I do not, Aaron. <laughs> I'll, I'll cut this if I have to, but, um, okay. You, I think you were saying it under the premise that if somebody isn't able to state their belief for themselves and they need somebody else to explain to me why they can't work oh, on Sunday, I, then that, you know that loses a lot of credibility with a manager. Is that what you were? Yes, I would agree with that. You know, I think uh, now if it's a new graduate nurse, you know, a kid coming out of high school going into nurse, I might have a little bit more grace on that, but you know. That, that person is going to have to pass the NCLEX, and you know the weight of the responsibility that's on a nurse's shoulders day in and day out to take care of five, six patients at a time. It's got to be somebody that can gird up your own loins. And, and the nurse leaders, from a nurse leader's perspective, their job is to keep patients safe, first and foremost, as they bring people on. 
so that's what they're looking at. They're looking at people who are going to be competent enough to keep a patient safe. And if they pass their NCLEX, they should be safe practicing, but that's not always the case. Now, if a 30-year-old came in and they had a letter from their preacher saying, this is what I believe and I want you to read this from my preacher, <laughs> and I, I can't remember exactly the details of our conversation. It's been a long time. Uh, wasn't it that you said that a preacher writing a letter on behalf of a potential candidate? No, I think it was somebody, if I don't remember correctly, it was somebody who was already working um, in a unit and had been working there for some time and was going to lose their job over the issue. And so it was kind of coming down to the wire. And um, they were I guess they were just trying to pull all their strings, you know, um, in that particular situation, you know, it, it it would be different than kind of what I presented as the original question. Yeah, like I said, I don't remember that conversation very well, obviously, but I am curious. I basically just wanted to hear you um, from the manager's side address, you know, written letters from third-party sources on the behalf of the employee and just uh, – I, I thought it was insightful, you know, hearing it because I've never really been able to ask a manager with full comfortability, you know, because it's always people who don't really share my beliefs. But, you know, so that that's all I wanted. Yeah, I do think it says a lot. Uh, it would be a little bit of a red flag. That's not to say that there's not a one off. You know, I, I work with anybody, you know, Seventh Day Adventists, they have a lot of nursing schools and. They, they'll draw a pretty hard line, and they'll say, I can't work on Saturdays. And, uh, you know, if you're if they're a good employee, you're going to work with that person. Okay. What what days can you work? you got to work th- three shifts. Which one can you work? Yeah. A good manager is always work with whoever. So, yeah, don't be afraid. Be encouraged to, to stand your ground. Yeah, take it from two nurses who have been in it 10-plus years, both of us, you longer than me, that you do not have to work on Sunday if you're a nurse. Even maybe at where you're currently working, maybe because you've worked on Sundays for so long, they don't believe you now. Maybe you you know that doesn't fly where you're at now, but you can find somewhere pretty easily where, the, like Mike's saying, a nurse manager will work with you if you are got a good work ethic and you stand behind your values. Um, don't be worried about going into nursing for that reason. But I also want to encourage you to, uh, <clears throat> sorry, now I'm not really talking to you, Mike. <laughs> uh, but I wanted to share this quick little, uh, story about a friend of mine who you actually know him as well, Mike, but, um, he's actually in MD school. So now he's officially an MD medical doctor and he, um, is doing his residency. And so he agreed to do this residency at, this rural hospital because he's trying to go into rural setting and part of the program's residency requirements was to work i think it was maybe six sundays a year and so he told the residency director you know listen i can't do that told him clearly why and when he told me this and he's telling me all about these six sundays and all that it was still pending this whole what what, what was the residency director going to say and so i asked this brother i said well, what are you going to do if they say no? Uh, because he had already at this point committed, I think five years of school to this. Um, and 
he's his point was that if if this didn't work out, there wasn't a residency program in the state that he could do this in without having to search across the you know forty nine other states. His answer was, "Well, then I'll just go back to being what I and he has a good career already." But he said, "Well, I guess I'll just go back to being what I was um, if I this falls through." And uh, that to me was a statement of faith, uh, very emboldening to me that. Man, this guy's willing to put five years of med school, and that's a lot of debt, too, um, on the line and just say, hey, I'm not willing to do it. And you've got to get to a point of of maturity where you are more concerned about the Word of God and God and truly show people that He is first in your life. Uh, That's a real-life scenario. Absolutely. I think I know this brother who you're talking about, and... uh, you know, I was going to say that we, we've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable being a Christian. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we pray about things. The Bible teaches us that we don't have because we don't ask. So what's your motivation for being a, a doctor or a, a nurse or whatever? You pray to God so that you can support your family, take care of your family, and be able to have something to help somebody else in time of need and you pray to God for that, and uh, if it doesn't happen that you don't get that job because you took a stand that you're not going to work Sundays, we need to learn to glory in that, and that's something the Bible teaches as well. It's a small sacrifice when you think about it, uh, but we can glory in that, that you counted it, counted the cost, and you've suffered for Christ in that very small way uh, so that you can honor God. Sometimes you you lose things for the cause of Christ and there to help you grow spiritually. The good news is that his director worked with him. So this is uh yes. you know, that that conversation was a while back, but um, you know, prayers answered uh, as as hoped and um but that just it, it goes I wasn't it was regardless of how it the outcome was, he was not willing to sacrifice what he believed just simply for this position. And you said from the very beginning, one of the biggest things that is a temptation for Christians in this profession is sacrificing um, the things that are really important for the career. And, and that now has come full circle is what we're talking about now. You know, in, in your secular world, God wants you, you want to have stretch goals and you want to grow, you know, and, and meet those goals and grow year over year, maybe a 1% increment every year and get to a better place and, and grow to maturity. Well, in the, in the church, God, God wants us to have that sort of mindset as well. The Bible says in Hebrews that God loves whom he chases. Which of you having a father has not been chastened by that father? But, um, yeah. I think being a Christian, we have to have the we should have the mindset that God expects our growth and development and maturity, and with that is become stretch challenges. And that brother yeah. went through a little bit of a challenge. And if you're having to approach your boss because they're laying down the secular law that you have to work on Sundays, just prepare yourself to stretch a little bit and glory in. God's got yeah. you. If you're doing his will and praying about it, he's got you. 
Yes, you will be tested in this profession. One of the ways that you'll be tested is you'll have to wipe a lot of rear ends, a lot, if you're a bedside nurse. And so uh, I think that brings us to what I wanted to ask you last before All we finish. All the reason you want to be a nursing leader. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, so I wanted to wrap up and um, just end with, you know, that we all got great stories and it can just be a funny story just for sake of being funny or it can be funny because it was really disgusting. Uh, we, I, I don't know. We, we've talked about a few stories, but in nursing, you grow. If you don't already have a very uh, weird sense of humor, dark sense of humor, um, you grow one. So tell me a good funny story that the audience can enjoy going away with. <laughs> okay. Um, well, there's so many stories. A lot of them, and I'll mention this, there's a lot of people that are sick and suffering and they're such such a dark pit to try you and they're just waiting to rage on somebody. Uh, So you can expect that from time to time. That helps you grow in a weird way to be able to endure affliction that's not of your own. (laughs) Uh, But I can think of a couple, a few funny things some of which this is the most appropriate I think, to be able to share. So I had an elderly patient whose name was Johnny. And this patient spoke with a very raspy voice, chewed tobacco, had a, you know, had a beard, five o'clock shadow. And Johnny was pleasant enough um, and was just very countrified. This was gorgeous. And, I just wanted to go in there and do introduce myself for the day and do a little safety round, set an expectation that I'll be back. And I was done with that. So I left. I said I'd, I'd be back in about an hour and um, thanked him for his time. I said, thank you, sir, as I walked out. And as tobacco was dripping out of the side of the mouth, sat, the patient sat up the side of bed and said, it's, it's ma'am. It's ma'am. I called her sir. <laughs> patient's name was Johnny patient was this is before all this transgender stuff that's going around right now. uh it was just uh I said I, I apologize ma'am <laughs> but you know it, inside I'm thinking well you're chewing tobacco and you got a beard you got a name like God <laughs> There was uh there's lots of stories. I'll just share one quick one, but we had this very, very large patient. Um, I I think the patient had had a sex change. I can't remember if it was a, a male or a female originally. Um, but like six hundred pounds. And so whenever we had a clean uh, complete you know, incontinent. So whenever you had to clean them up and you were the primary nurse, you had to get three or four nurses to help you just physically could not do it yourself. Well, I used to wear these like breast cancer awareness rubber, these, those rubber wristbands, you know, that were really popular for a long time. We were changing one night uh, on night shift and I, I lost my rubber wristband in the folds, I guess, of this patient. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh man, <laughs> you know, so that patient was there for like five weeks. And part of the reason they were there because we couldn't get 
lined up a bariatric stretcher big enough for the patient to be transported. So finally we did. After five weeks, they're gone. And when we tr- slid them over to the cot, there's the wristband. And I'm like, oh, but it wasn't even mine. There was like multiple wristbands were lost while taking care of this patient. <laughs> I never did find mine. I don't know. It's probably still like on that person's body to this day, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's some really yeah. nasty stuff you have to deal with. It, um, yeah. It makes you stronger. <laughs> yeah. And I started to mention this. Yeah. There's, you would think that people who are suffering in the hospital setting and they're vulnerable, a lot of times they'll be soft and just crying out for help. And a lot of times that's the case, but there are some people I believe are just in such a deep, dark pit, uh, that they're just waiting for somebody to, to lash out at school earth, even their most vulnerable moment. And I've had some yeah. situations where, think of one where the patient had a trach and he was an old fella. He had an MDRO, multiple drug resistant organism. So he was on contact precautions and related equipment and all of that. He just didn't want to have it. He was spitting on people through that trach. He had pneumonia and it was mm. like mucus. He was purposefully spitting at people through that and, and uh, just mean as fire. Yeah. Oh, he was, he was, he was pretty trying. So yeah, your patient will be tested. But that's okay. That's part of life, too. We need patience. Patience will test your patience. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Mike. That's a that's going to be more than we need, probably, as far as lengthwise. I try not to make my episodes too long, but uh, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast. And maybe we'll get you on here again. And it won't be <laughs> like three years, but by the time I get you on again. <laughs> okay. Well, I appreciate you, and I appreciate all the content that's being put out on five minute bible study i've really enjoyed it um love the sermons the books and the content um so can't plug it enough for anybody that's wanting to grow in their walk with the lord and seeking after the truth and hungry for it you can get fed five minute chunks okay until next time later thanks see ya I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I enjoyed visiting with Mike and recording it. I mean, we had some talking point, points that we um, you know, discussed in advance, but really a lot of that was just raw conversation, uh, me hearing these answers from Mike for the first time. And so <clears throat> I, a lot of that was just kind of live responses, reactions from me. I really enjoyed it. I thought he had a lot of helpful advice, especially if you're new to the nursing profession. Maybe you're a student or you're a first-year nurse. I think this can really help you. So share this with your friends. Um, also share the article, 10 Years of Being a Nurse and a Christian from 5MinuteBibleStudy.com. Don't forget to go look that up. Read it. Comment it. Give us your feedback. We would like to hear from you. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. And we'll catch you next time here on the 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast. <laughs>